0: And we are live. Good morning. Good morning to you as well. Hello. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Innkeeper's Guest Book. I am the illustrious Innkeeper Freddie, and I'm here with two lovely, lovely guests from California, and they are. Renee. And Martin. All right. Now, for those at home that are just joining us, they've been here, I want to say, the last, what, three days? Or is it four? Four. Four days, yes. And. They've definitely had a fun-filled rainy and sometimes sunny uh, week in D.C. You all went and saw the African-American Museum of History and Culture. We did. Uh, You all went to um, the uh, Museum of the um, American Indian. We did. And you biked pretty much everywhere. Yep. (laughs) All right. And you're probably going to get some biking in today, right? I am. All right. Okay, so during their time here, we had a number of lovely, 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 lovely conversations. Um, and I jotted some notes down. And I wanted to kind of touch on these things because it, it, I think it, it provides uh, uh, insight into the diversity of guests that I get here. Um, also, sidebar, they are also Airbnb hosts.
1: We're super hosts, to be precise. Oh, so, excuse me. <laughs> Perfect. And Listen, so you,
0: you so have, are you? You're a super host. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. So we are fellow super hosts. <laughs> yes. um, uh, and their house is in? Concord, California. Concord, California, which I believe is 20 miles east of Oakland. Yeah. So they're, they're big Golden State fans, by the way. So they've been uh, rooting on uh, Steph Curry and Kevin Durant and all of them while they've been here playing the Rockets. Sorry they lost last night. Yeah, that was a bummer. Yeah. Um, so it's evened up right now. Two up? Two, two up. Yep. Yeah. So it's, it's going to be an exciting series.
1: No kidding. Yeah.
0: So um, they've, they've done a number of travels as a result of the guests that they've had. You said there was one guest that came from the Netherlands. And as a result of that, you spent some time in the North Sea. Correct.
2: Yes, yes. We spent a month in the Netherlands. Okay. And uh, spent a little time staying with um, our friend Paul okay. at, at his home um, and uh, also sailed, spent five days sailing with um, Paul and Therese on their sailboat in the North Sea.
0: So when you say sailing, was this a contiguous five days where you didn't go back on land? or No, we, was were, it?
1: we were in port every night.
0: Okay, okay. Yep. And so what what about the North Sea? Where exactly is that for those of us like myself that are geographically challenged?
1: Well, it's between Britain and, or, you know, the, the UK and the the British Isles and, and the mainland. Okay. Netherlands is a, basically one huge delta or several huge deltas from the Rhine and other rivers. Okay. And so we sailed in canals and lakes and through many locks and out into the North Sea itself for a couple of days.
0: All right.
2: We sailed through Amsterdam overnight. They they have to open the bridges mm-hmm. and draw bridges. And uh, so you can only sail in some areas at night because you have to stop traffic. Ah. So it was it was magical. We were up on this boat mostly much of the night. Um, Sailing through Amsterdam with a group of boats because a whole group go through together okay and it was really surprisingly fascinating seeing Amsterdam by canal overnight
0: Wow yeah i I, I love the um, canals that are in Amsterdam okay. during our conversation i I, I had mentioned about the um if I could have a pet tea in one city or er, er, in several cities, but one of the cities I'd choose would be Amsterdam just because those those houses along the, the, the different canals, along the semicircles that ring around the city are just so amazing. Uh, so you'd also mentioned you had gone to South Africa.
1: Yeah, we had a couple from South Africa stay with us and we'd always assumed that uh, safari was going to be expensive, the white glove treatment. And they said, no, just rent a car in Cape Town and Drive through the parks, and we went through five national parks and uh, ended up uh, in Kruger at the end and and flew home out of Johannesburg. So we saw the the length of the country in 30 30 days or so.
0: All right. So you did another month out there?
1: We did a month. We did.
2: Yeah, we traveled independently the entire time. Okay.
1: Stayed in camps in the national parks and were at the gates every morning to, to go out and look for animals and drove most usually all day. Never knew what was going to be around the next bend.
0: Okay. Um, and were you in? Did you go to any other countries? Only uh, well,
2: a day in Swaziland.
0: Swaziland. How was that?
1: Interesting, but yeah. but uh, we we go mainly for wildlife and and uh, and the
0: parks. Okay, that's the best part. And lastly, you'd mentioned Australia. I'm sorry. Yeah, Australia.
1: Yeah, yeah we spent a month in Australia. Also through Airbnb Friends. Okay. And uh, saw the right. heck out of that country. That's
2: right. The Australian trip was through Sir mm-hmm. Ron, mm-hmm. who has since passed away. But uh, it's a Brit who stayed with us who um, also owned a place in Australia. And he invited us to come out and ended up having a family emergency. So he wasn't there. So we stayed with some friends of his for the first few days. And then we... Got a car and traveled around the country.
0: Wow. So were you able to see the Great Barrier Reef or is that New Zealand? Yeah, we
1: went to the Great Barrier Reef and we went did. snorkeling in the reef.
0: Okay. And this is before the bleaching has happened within recent years?
1: Yeah, this was uh,
2: no, oh, six,
1: six, six years ago or
2: so. Yeah, about six years ago. Okay. Five or six years ago. We, we uh, <laughs> snorkeled the Great Barrier Reef. We had to wear stinger suits Stinger suits. Yes. This was, this was interesting to, to us. Um, these head-to-toe black Lycra suits with a hood okay. and gloves because we were there during... Jellyfish, jellyfish season. Oh, and jellyfish.
0: Oh, There you go.
2: And uh, I wasn't very excited about wearing a stinger suit, but then I quickly realized that everyone on the boat that was going in the water was wearing a stinger suit and Nobody looked good. <laughs> so. Okay. It was, it was an interesting experience.
0: Okay. Yeah, because when you said stinger suit, I was thinking like maybe stingrays, but no, it's actually jellyfish because, yeah, the sting jellyfish. can be mm-hmm. quite, and I'm sure the jellyfish around the Great Barrier Reef probably have an industrial strength sting on them. Yes, uh, they do. Mm-hmm. They can be fatal. <laughs> really? Yes. <laughs> wow. Learn something new every day. So, I believe you are a geologist by trade? Correct. And you, Renee, are a... I know it has something to do with speech.
2: I, oh, well, I, I worked for many years as a clinical audiologist. Yes. And the last 20 years I've been working as a marketing consultant.
0: Okay. And so, um, what drew you to either one of those professions?
1: Well, I was always into uh, science and math and I was, I was pre-optometry and planning to go to optometry school, but fortunately I didn't get in the first time I applied, but uh, I was hitchhiking around the West uh, and hopping rails, and uh, I happened to get get a ride with a geologist who was doing minerals exploration, and he said he was getting to travel around the West and all expenses paid and getting to hike and collect rocks and go to these old historical mining districts, and I thought, hmm, which is better? A, sitting in a dark room staring into somebody's eyes or B, outdoors, hiking around,
2: exploring.
0: Yeah, sounds like a simple choice. It was.
2: <laughs> it was the right choice for you. Yeah. Yes, it
0: was. <laughs> now, this geologist, was he working for, uh, I guess, science or archaeology purposes? Or I, was think he working he, for-
1: I think he was working for a mining company okay. doing exploration for,
0: for gold and silver deposits. Gotcha. Okay. And how about you, Renee? With respect to um, you said... Um,
2: I was an audiologist.
0: Audiologist, yes. I
2: like the technical aspects of human communication Mm -hmm. and I worked in that field for, oh, about 13 or 14 years and had kids, took a little time off and uh, discovered I had a a pension for for writing. Fairly good good writing skills and did some class work at UC Berkeley and uh, have have enjoyed that work a great deal.
0: That's good. That's good. All right, and w- w- while she was here, we mentioned that Gallaudet is around the corner, and um, she she mentioned yes, and I was I was wondering uh, with respect to uh, being an audiologist uh, for those that are uh, deaf or hard of hearing, does that fall under that umbrella? And you had said yes, right?
2: Yeah. So the Gallaudet, of course, is is the premier educational institution for the hearing impaired and deaf.
0: Yes. So, in in the sense of being an audiologist, I'm thinking, is it so much? Because if you are deaf and you're and pardon my ignorance on this, if you're deaf and not hearing, is the audiologist side on the, the input or the output? You know what I mean.
2: I'm not sure I do. But, okay, but, but but many people who are deaf are um, not necessarily anything an audiologist could do for them. Okay, so the audiology side is primarily diagnostic, although. You know, there's there are there are newer treatments like um, cochlear implants and and of course hearing aids have been around a long time mm-hmm. and some people they help and some people they don't okay but I'm bad I'm out of this field for about 20 years now so
0: gotcha 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 so um and you had mentioned um I believe well actually this morning we were having a conversation and you were saying how you like to make quilts
2: I do I do and you have a quilt a double wedding ring quilt on the bed in your guest room. Was that was that made by a family member?
0: Uh, so it was made, I want to say yes. So uh, have you heard of G's Bend quilts? Absolutely. Okay. So the ladies that comprised G's Bend or were making G's Bend quilts, it's not so much just them. It's kind of an area where people were making quilts. And so... I wanna say maybe 15, 16 years ago. My father's originally from Mobile, Alabama. And he took me to the area where they were making those clothes. He's like, yeah, I, I know those ladies. And I think we might be related somehow, like way, way through the family tree. But we went there and we walked Mind you, this is like one of these houses where, you know, clay roads. If it's dark, you don't see anything. And she had one of these looms in her house. And she actually was making a quilt, and I think we bought, like, three of them. Did you? Yeah, and um, there were certain, you know, fabrics that she had out. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'd like that one with this on this side and that on that. She's like, yeah, I got you. And then I want to say maybe three, four weeks later in the mail, we got two. Well, I I got two, and Dad got – he bought one there and then ordered another one. And so, yeah, so it's like they are G's Bin quilts, but they're not the – you know, labeled G's bin quilts, if you will.
2: They're not made with old blue jeans.
0: Yeah, there you go. So, so you well, were saying I can saying, tell it's handmade. Yes. Yeah. So there were. What What did you say the pattern was? You said it's wedding double wedding ring. Okay, explain that.
2: Uh, interlocking wedding rings. It's a, It's often given for um, an anniversary or a wedding. Okay. But that's a very very traditional quilt pattern. All right. And it's nicely made.
0: Oh, thank you, thank you. It's nicely done. I, I, I will let them know the next time that I just try to order one from them again, that uh, someone recognized the, the pattern and uh, appreciated the workmanship. Very and, much. And Martin, uh, you make bird houses? I want, am I saying it wrong? Uh,
1: only only occasionally, but um, I am pretty big uh, naturalist and do a lot of hiking and particularly interested in wildlife, and so uh, I did make a a specific birdhouse or or nest for kestrels, a nesting box for kestrels, which are the smallest falcons in North America, Okay, and uh, installed it in our backyard, and and this year it's been occupied by kestrels, who uh, the female laid five eggs, and I now have five five little fledglings, uh, little chicks in the box.
2: It look like a little bunch of fur. It looks like somebody attacked a, a down pillow. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it looks like in that box right now. And of course, we'll, we'll, we've we'll been gone a week, so we'll be very eager to see what's happening with the birds when we get
0: back. I'm sure. So how long do they use it as their home before the chicks, I guess?
2: Uh,
1: I think they're, it's probably a month or so. That it was a month for them to hatch, and then I think it's probably an, another month before they fledge and leave the nest.
0: Okay. And then next season, do you think the same bird comes back or? I hope so. Okay.
2: <laughs> we're going to be empty nesters.
0: I <laughs> uh, see what you did there. That's nice. Um, so you mentioned before about uh, your, your your daughter has a five acre horse ranch. She does. Yes. And um, I can't remember what it was. You were saying that uh, 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 she also gardens. She's a big gardener, big yes. organic gardener.
2: Yes. And she's got chickens and ducks. She's had many other animals as well, besides the horses that they board. But right now she's very interested in the ducks. The ducks have imprinted on her, mm-hmm. and they follow her around in a line everywhere she goes. You have to be careful where you walk. They can get a little underfoot.
0: Really? hmm When you say underfoot...
2: That they are that close to her. They stay, they, they're they everywhere she is.
0: And so they, they you said they marked her as like the mother? Yes. yes.
2: Yes, they imprinted on her. Imprinted on her. They imprinted on her. And they follow her everywhere.
0: Wow. The so chickens
2: don't do that. Chickens <laughs> are a little more indifferent.
0: So what happens when she goes inside the house?
2: They stay outside. And just wait? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then they go out and forage and, you know, eat bugs and swim in their little pool, little duck pool. And
0: Do they ever bring her back, like, food?
2: Like a cat would? <laughs> I
0: mean, I'm wondering, like, <laughs> if they go foraging and they come back with something, it's like, no, oh, they, yeah, they, we they save they, some for you. They
1: eat what they forage. Okay. Unlike a cat. Her cats bring her mice and rats. And
2: <laughs> lizards and... Birds. Mm-hmm. All right.
0: The, you train the cat to leave it at the, um, the falcon nest. <laughs> <All right. laughs> That'd be good, right?
2: Well, the falcons... Martin has got photos of the, the male falcon um, with uh, dead animals in his talons bringing it to the female in the box.
0: Yeah, he showed me one of the pictures this well, he morning. He did, yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. It's, it's wild out where we
0: live. I, I, I can only imagine... Uh, it looked really nice honestly I'm gonna have to come out and um, I if you don't mind I'll put the link to your Airbnb in the description
1: Oh, please for the podcast sure
0: and uh, yeah definitely I'm I'm, uh, I talked about I go out to uh, California maybe every other year to fly my grandmother back to Santa Barbara where you all met
2: that's right
0: and what's also amazing and I found I didn't find this out until they arrived they actually celebrated their not 10th, not 20th, not 30th, but 40th wedding anniversary here in D.C. at this house. We did. Yes. So uh, you had mentioned about the story of how you met. I think the viewers at home would, 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 would love to hear another rendition of that.
1: Well, we uh, were living in a dorm. as uh, our first year at UC Santa Barbara. Okay. And the, the dorm had alternating floors of... You know, men and women. Okay. Uh, and our uh, our roommates were, we'll say dating, put it politely. Mm-hmm. Um, and they fixed us up on a blind date. So we went out on a blind date, uh, met at that time for the first time. And
2: January 1975. <laughs>
0: 1970, January 1975, wow. So, okay, so, wow, 43 years ago.
2: Yep. Yeah,
0: yeah. And so it, was it love at first sight, or?
2: Yeah,
1: more or less.
0: <laughs> that's absolutely beautiful so uh martin what did you find that you like most about renee oh boy uh i don't know is this an x-rated show <laughs> <laughs> sure i would say not. x-rated i'm sure it's not no it's not x-rated but we, uh,
1: we we uh we both love to travel and we immediately uh took off in her little VW square back and started exploring up and down the coast and up to Oregon and up to the Sierras and um, I loved to travel and had found someone that also loved to. Oh
0: it's beautiful.
2: Great sense of adventure. Yes.
0: And what about you, Renee? What would you like the most about Martin? We met him?
2: His intellect okay. his intellect is his steadfastness. Kindness, Okay. And a sense of adventure.
0: That's a, that's a powerful combination right there. That's good. Um, so I uh, wanted to touch on this uh, as well. Uh, to sort of switch gears, you had said that you were a geologist. Um, and so we had talked briefly about uh, the volcano that's in Hawaii that's currently erupting right now. Um, and, you know, all I get or all most of us get on the mainland is what we see on TV um, in terms of what the volcano is. And all we see are pictures of, you know, smoke and red and lava going and, you know, it overtaking cars and stuff like that. But actually moves very slowly. Um, but you had mentioned that it's possible that a volcano eruption can actually help with global warming in terms of <laughs> cooling the planet and it's actually happened before
1: yeah there's um, and, and it won't be a volcano like Kilauea on Hawaii that's too, too small a, an eruption okay. um, but there have been um, Krakatoa in, in uh, Java and in Indonesia is one, one example where um, with such a huge eruption a, a cataclysmic eruption that, that spewed dust um, volcanic ash up into the atmosphere um that went around the world and actually reflects it can reflect sunlight, and so there were uh several years of of lower than normal temperatures on the earth from that one eruption
0: Wow, that's amazing, so
1: all well, we need are a few good volcanoes to erupt, which of course there'd be some downsides to that, but yeah, but it that would ha- help with global warming, yeah,
0: all right, so are there any? <laughs> volcanoes that are active that are large enough to do that for us right now
1: uh, the the long valley caldera in eastern california near near mammoth um, is definitely big enough to uh, have a major eruption okay. um, you know a yellowstone like um, caldera is, is big enough to have a big effect if it if it were to erupt but um the chances are probably minimal that there, we're going to have that big interruption and soon enough to help us with global warming gotcha
0: okay and then to go from fire to water we talked about groundwater and uh and I, I brought it up on on, on multiple occasions uh the, the plants weeds grass whatever you want to call it in the backyard behind the inn uh grows so fast that sometimes we feel like, hey, there has to be some sort of groundwater that's here. And um, you had stated before that there are some telltale signs, if you do have groundwater, of what you would see. And actually that falls under the, the umbrella of geology, correct?
1: Yeah, I'm a, I'm a hydrogeologist, Hy- so that <laughs> that means I'm a geologist who's all wet. <laughs> um, so I specialized in, in groundwater. Okay. Um, and... Yeah, I mean, if you well, there's there's groundwater um, practically everywhere at some depth. Okay. But if you've got um, you know an area that's that's wet year round, then um, you know, and you're not connected to a, a stream or a lake, um, then you may well have a spring, which is where groundwater emanates from or flows from underground.
0: Okay.
1: Um, you could also have a shallow water table where groundwater is at or near the surface, and that can obviously uh, provide water for plants, and you'll get a different vegetative pattern if you've got shallow groundwater or even seasonal um, high water table at the surface.
2: New okay. Orleans is an example of <clears throat> very shallow groundwater.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, there's places you have to pump, mm-hmm. to; otherwise your basements would, would flood with groundwater. Yeah. Um, But you can also have, you know, seasonal water where water, uh, surface water is infiltrates. But if you have low permeability, low infiltration rate, it can basically pond up and and be
0: seasonal wet areas as well. Okay. So are there any plants that we should look out for if there is shallow groundwater?
1: Well, if you have a bunch of cattails that, you know, or something like that would be an indication that you've got water there year round.
0: Okay.
2: Cottonwoods.
1: Cottonwoods, That would those those roots can go pretty deep. Okay. Probably at least 20, 30 feet deep. Oh, wow. So you wouldn't see any groundwater at the surface, but under underground, those cottonwoods need water to feed their root,
0: root. system. Okay, so cattails and cottonwoods. <laughs> I will remember that. All right, so uh, books. I told you before I had a library downstairs, and one thing I'm gonna start, is uh, when I bring guests on the podcast, they recommend a book that I should add to the uh, library. And then you brought up the good idea of um, getting a post-it note. And uh, I'm going to have you write a note and I'll put the post-it note on the inside after I buy the book. and I'm going to add it to the library. So hopefully over some years, we'll have a nice, uh, what do you call it? A uh, crowdsourced, wow, crowdsourced library. Um, so are there any books that you would recommend? Or one book that you recommend?
1: Well, right now I'm I'm reading uh, How to Change Your Mind, okay. which is by Michael Pollan, who's written several books on on food and and uh, and the botany of desire. But this this book is on uh, psychedelics, okay. and um, talking about the development of psychedelic you know psychedelics testing in the or medical trials in the fifties and sixties, and then of course they got it got banned, added to the list of schedule one drugs but uh but since the 90s it's been coming back from underground and starting to have more clinical trials and it's a very interesting books and book and certainly uh uh, peaks one interest in in those uh that class of drugs
0: okay so it 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 goes into the history Mm -hmm. uh, as well as what's happening currently right with respect to psychedelics and experiments and how it can help the mind if you will
1: and he even tries them in order to be a, be a good
0: journalist. <laughs> okay. And does that come through in the writing? Oh, yes. <laughs> Very much so. Are there nice pictures in there as well? Uh, no, no no pictures. <laughs> okay. How about you, Renee?
2: Oh, favorite book to add to the library? There are so many that I've loved. Um, recently, I have read um, all the books by the author of a man called Ove. Okay. And... Um, have enjoyed them enormously, although his name his um, his name escapes me right now.
1: He's Swedish, isn't he?
2: I believe he is Swedish, and uh, that's why we have the I, inter- internet, <laughs> the 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 interweb, the huh? The interwebs. That's right, man. Called man called
0: Ove. Ove. Okay, here we go. There oh, we Frederick, go, Frederick Frederick Frederick, ba- ba- Frederick Bachman. That's right. Okay. Thank
2: you, thank you so much. You're very I love this book. Okay. He wrote another book called, My Grandmother Asked Me to Tell You She's Sorry. And I, I enjoyed that enormously. Okay. It's, it's written from the point of view of a, a child who's maybe six or seven. And the first line is, every, every seven, almost every almost eight year old needs a superhero. And uh, the superhero is her grandmother. Okay. And I thought that was a wonderful and touching book. Uh, one of my longtime favorites no is... you only get to choose one yeah Oh, oh. 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 <laughs> I could fill your bookshelves up I I I fight the I fight the books they I they multiply at our house and they fill up the bookshelves and they become stacks and they are they they they're just multiplying in the night I don't know what happens
0: well uh, the silver lining is that you're, you're building wealth of knowledge that's right that's right so if there's one book did I add? Which one would that be?
2: Uh, my grandmother asked, asked me to tell you she's sorry.
0: Okay. By Frederick Bachman. Yes. Okay. All right. Um, podcast. When you first arrived, we, we were definitely trading podcasts. So along the same lines of book, what is a podcast that the listeners at home should subscribe to? Well, we're,
1: we've enjoyed uh, Con Law. Which okay. is what what Trump can teach you about uh, constitutional law.
0: Yes, by and Roman that, Mars. Roman it's Mars,
2: wonderful. Yes.
0: And that's the same guy that does a ninety nine percent invisible. invisible. Like,
2: yes, okay. and that's that's another favorite podcast. One of my favorites um, is called Gastropod. Okay, it's about the confluence of the science and the history related to food, and it's fascinating, really well researched, well done. Okay, love Gastropod.
0: So would you say that it speaks more to those that are foodies or more to those that are chemists?
2: Probably more to those that are foodies and interested in history.
0: Okay. All right. So we'll have to put that in the feed. All right. So we end the podcast asking my favorite questions. (laughs) So what would you say? Is your number one talent and that's something that you feel that you have an innate proficiency at doing.
1: Go ahead, dear. <laughs> I'm thinking. Mm.
2: <laughs> Creativity, making things, creating things.
1: Okay. Martin? Well, I guess I'll say in investigating investigating things.
0: Okay. All right. And along the same lines, we juxtapose that with what is your number one skill? So that would be a, a, a process or a task that you've practiced over years to develop a proficiency in.
2: Writing.
1: Um, I'll say team building. Okay.
0: All right. So you say creativity and investigating, writing and... Team building. Team building. All right. Great. All right. Uh, last words. Anything you want to the 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 listeners at home to know?
1: No, I guess we could put in a pitch for our our Airbnb. We uh,
2: or just Airbnb in general. Which well, is that's true. Such a different way of traveling. It's much more personal. You have way different experiences than you have checking into a hotel. Yes. Um, it's it's been a very enriching experience for us both hosting and traveling
0: okay all right well martin and ray thank you so much for joining us thank you Freddie. thanks for inviting us and this has been the innkeeper's guest book we'll see you next time